it's small things that that how you present yourself um you know how you you speak and how you shake a hand uh it's all reflection of the business because for me that business is me but i'm still teaching that to the team that this business is an extension of of you your personal brand Standing out in the competitive business world requires a well-crafted brand strategy. But how do you create a strategy that not only captures attention, but also resonates deeply with your target audience? Welcome to the Design Rush podcast. Join us as we unravel the secrets behind successful brand building and marketing campaigns. I'm your host, Bianca Mayer. With a sharp wit and wealth of experience, our guest for today has not only navigated the challenging terrain of the industry, but also transformed numerous small businesses into powerful brands. Please welcome to the show, the president and founder of Entice International, Adam O'Leary. So, okay, let's get down to brass tacks, as they say. Um, you founded Inside during the economic crisis in 2008. And soon after that, you got laid off from the company that you were employed at. So what was it that pushed you to work on Insights during that time? And more importantly, actually, what were some of the key things you learned from starting Insight during that time, which was like a really tough time for everybody, of course? Yeah, yeah, it was the it was the economic crisis of 2008 that really pushed me. I mean, um, I did start the company three years earlier, three years earlier, officially while I was right. working client side with, uh, with a software company. Um, but I, it, it was just something to, you know, earn a few extra bucks. I had some friends that had small businesses. I made them a business card or whatever. It was always that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So in 2005, I started the business officially I had a few friends that had businesses and, um, you know, made a couple of different, uh, small projects for them as, as best I could. But when I got laid off in the client side, uh, in 2008, uh, that's what kind of pushed me out of the nest, if you will. There was just no, um, there's no jobs out there. Um, you know, I decided it's like, well, um, I think that may be the catalyst that I needed to kind of get me going. And it's, it's out of, um, the, a need to, to pivot, a need to make money, a need to, you know, you know, drive that business. And sometimes we just need that, that little push. And, um, you know, unfor fortunately for me, it worked, worked out well at the time it was a little, uh, stressful and nerve wracking, but, uh, I needed that push. I had to kind of learn new skills. I had to, you know, learn you know, different kind of software. I had to just kind of, kind of drive it. And, um, uh, that's what, that's what I did. I, I kind of, um, consumed any and all information that I could, any and all content that I could. I went back to, to classes at some community college stuff and, you know, started to learn those things. And I would, you know, find those things or identify those things that I needed to learn just by talking with clients or talking with colleagues or, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, going to networking events, which I was a whole hundred percent, um, you know, uh, against, uh, you know, I'm a pretty social person, but even as an adult walking into a room of, you know, a hundred people you don't know is, you know, it's, it's, it's awkward sometimes. So, but I yeah. just pushed myself to do that. And I said, you know, I'm getting up and I'm doing it. And it was, uh, it was a, a, a huge lesson and, and very valuable for me kind of moving forward. Absolutely. That, that makes a whole lot of sense. And that's actually really inspiring that you were able to 
take something like that crash, which really, I mean, let's be honest, destroyed so many lives during that time. I mean, it was really awful. Okay, so of course you have learned a lot during that time of the economic crash and like obviously going on with insights. Um, I'm wondering though, what are some of the key things that you mentioned now that you still apply to working in an agency environment now and with branding for businesses? I mean, is there, are there things that you've mentioned before that you still use to this day? I still use my skills uh, that, that I was learning. At one point I was doing, you know, the graphic design. So I, you know, learned, uh, you know, the Adobe software and learned to, to, to manipulate things. But one thing I learned there is I know that I, at one point you just can't be the jack of all trades. You can't do everything and bringing in people that specialize in that uh, and, um, you know, are focused in, you know, creative development is, you know, takes our, our work to a different level, takes our client work to a different level. But I think the one thing that was, is really beneficial is I still have some working knowledge of that, right? So I know kind of in, in speaking with clients and communication with clients or colleagues or whatever, you know, I can, I still have that working knowledge enough to say, which is valuable for me to, to talk about deadlines and, and how long, you know, certain things take. So I have that knowledge rather than relying on my team who, who my team is phenomenal, you know, but it, it but it, it helps to, to, to continue that communication on the client side, because I think communication is one of those things that is super key uh, and, and, and super um, beneficial to both sides, to keeping us accountable, to keeping them accountable, you know, and, and even kind of building relationships on the client side. It's, um, I think that's one of our big focuses is making sure that that communication is uh, continuing and, and, and consistent and, you know, cohesive uh, with our clients as well. So, um, yeah, a lot of those, those skills that I learned early uh, are very much applicable now and, um, you know, even try to expand some of those. So continue and try to learn. A hundred percent. That's that's a really good note as well. I don't think any of us ever stop learning. Um, but I do think you're absolutely right in that sense. You know, I mean, communication and transparency when working with clients, I think, is the number one way to ensure a smoother process, even when the process isn't as smooth. Mm -hmm. if you know what I mean? You know, hundred mm -hmm. percent. Uh, like, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, just being on the same page helps so much already. Um, so, okay, you tackle a variety of positions at Insights from what I read, mm -hmm. but what was it that first drew you to the agency life? I mean, did you see yourself running a full-fledged creative agency as a university student? You know, at the time I, you know, I didn't, I mean, I, I mean, you see kind of agency in, in movies and TV and how glamorous it is and everybody's dressed well and you're in a great office and it's super fun, yeah. you know, you know, but you know, obviously that's kind of uh, um, sensationalized in, in, you know, the TV and stuff, but, you know, I started off, uh, you know, uh, right out of university uh, as a salesperson. And, you know, this was back uh, in, you know, early 2000s. And I, you know, this, I don't know that this happens very much anymore, but, you know, I was making phone calls and just cold calling inside sales. And I, mean, I think one motivator for me there is that's, uh, it's just not me, you know, that I, I didn't enjoy that type of work. And I know some people do and, and they thrive there. I just never really thrived there. But, you know, after, you know, jumping around a couple of jobs, I did get a job uh, with a small agency and that small agency kind of inspired me to be like, well, you know, I, you know, 
I think I can kind of do some of this and, and looking at their processes, they had some great processes and had some great, uh, you know, staff and, you know, creative people. Um, but at one point they went under, so they, they, uh, um, you know, the, the, the company folded and I, and I thought to myself, I was like, and it was in the back of my mind. I was like, I think I can do that. And, um, I just started to, to kind of build my skills, kept that, uh, in the back of my head. And then when that catalyst hit in 2008, that's what kind of pushed me to go. But I learned a lot there and learned a lot how the process works, uh, for sure. Exactly. Um, were they just, this is completely off topic, but just to carry on with what you just said about that company, um, were they a startup or were they already established before they went under? They were pretty, uh, well established. Uh, yeah. um, they, they were a, a small, they were in a small Colorado town, um, uh, North of Denver. So they were, they had a pretty well established client base and some, I mean, some big names locally, you know, that people would recognize lo locally. Um, but I think that they were trying to expand out. They tried to do some speaker series uh, events. They tried to do develop some trade shows, which some went well, some went, some didn't. And I don't know the, the you know, the the financials uh, from you know the, the back end. I didn't didn't wasn't privy to that. But I know that some of the speaker series stuff they did just didn't do really well. And and I, maybe that was a kind of a financial burden on them. Uh, but uh, but yeah, they were they were really well established. Uh, the the leaders of that group. Uh, and leaders of that company had really deep ties to the to the area and had uh you know big um networking uh, and had and had knew a lot of people in in that group and that's kind of how they drove business was those personal relationships they had which is can be super successful so i think i think some of the things that happened you know i wasn't uh didn't know about on, on the back end but uh, maybe that kind of contributed there but they did great work yeah absolutely uh, the reason why i ask is because um i know especially for when you're just starting out at an agency or any type of career move that you're making where it's like a grown-up career you know what i mean yeah um, <laughs> when it's like that i know even for myself i started out with startups and i mean the amount of things i learned from the startup environment is invaluable but unfortunately it happened that, you know, maybe the investments weren't coming in as much. That's, that's actually the reason why I asked. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Startup environments are, in my opinion, some of the best places where you can learn um, about anything. I mean, it's completely having to roll with the punches constantly. Yeah. Um, but in yep. any case. It's out of necessity. Like, I mean, that's kind of when I started, it's like, it was out of necessity. I have to learn these things and I have to do these things out of necessity because nobody else is going to do them or you don't have the budget to hire somebody to do them. So when somebody's starting out in a small agency, I think you learn a ton. Uh, like you said, I a hundred percent and, and it, but that the, the flip side to that is it's a little volatile, right? Like it's, it's not as stable as maybe some of the bigger agencies right but at, at any point in time i guess you know things can change and your career could change and you know things could change and you be out of a job so you never know exactly but if anything of your move with insights or really go full on with that has told us anything with regards to this even that you know even the fact that it is a bit volatile is i think extremely valuable in that sense that you still learn how to actually navigate and roll with the punches when it comes to something like that i think you know at the end of the day you do something and uh oh it doesn't work but then you learn how to navigate that right a hundred percent and that's one of the things that we focus in with our group is you know maybe you know something happened and didn't go the way that we wanted to maybe you know yeah. we we lose a client but 
the evaluation part of that is is key and, and you know we've learned over the years to set up um you know processes in place so we can collect information collect market research and for me it's not only you know current clients because current clients are typically super happy with you you're doing everything great you know that kind of thing but one things that we really concentrate on are those kind of exit interview views with clients what do we do wrong you know what do we miss what what did you need that we didn't provide because we, we we want to get better at that kind of thing and we also do that whenever we're doing you know we put together a proposal you know for a potential client or we respond to an rfp um or we're entering um you know some kind of awards you know uh thing um we always want to get the feedback from the judges from the from the potential client so we have a process in place because i want to know what we did wrong or what or maybe it's just a small thing that we didn't do you know i i don't know but if i don't know that information i can't fix it and i can't get better exactly i mean that's another invaluable thing i think is feedback getting feedback is i think one of the best things and um not so much you know i know there's a few people that maybe don't respond too well to feedback or criticism if you want to put it that way yeah. um but i think again if you learn how to maybe look at stuff from a, as a thick skin you know with a th thick skin um it definitely helps you improve in the long run for sure yeah 100 so, yeah so um just getting back to insights a little bit um, was there ever like an aha moment that you had while growing inside? Like what helped you get through the most challenging moments of launching a creative industry or a creative agency, excuse me, back then? You know what? I, I kind of mentioned it before. So there were, there was an aha moment to where, um, I was doing some graphic design work, right. And it was pr pretty basic, but then you start to, and I think every designer looks at is, is super critical i guess of their uh, um their work right like and especially um well at least i am you know i was always super critical there's some aha moments where we develop something and i'm like that's just not good enough right like it's just it's it's beyond my capability i need i need somebody to come in and help and that's kind of that aha moment of if i'm going to continue to do this number one i don't i i can't do it all and i can't do accounts receivable and accounts payable and new business development and you know web design and you know graphic design and social media yeah. marketing i can't do it like i it's just i, I don't have the time in the day yeah exactly yeah exactly. yeah so there was there was a i forget which project was it was but i was creating something that was beyond my capabilities for a client and i just okay. it was kind of clicked and i was like uh, you know it's just not it's not good enough i don't i don't have the experience as a designer I don't have the skills. I need to find somebody that does. And that's what I started to do. And then that's kind of how it continued to grow, right? And and then you start to think, okay, well, I learned a little bit of web design. Well, um, my lesson from graphic design, um, I, you know, I'm not a full-time web developer. I'm at best a fractional web developer. Well, somebody who does that 100% of the time is way better at that than me. So, yeah. So that was an aha moment that, but uh, I, I don't remember that project, but uh, I remember looking at that and saying I, I, this, I can't, if I'm going to grow this thing, I can't do it this way. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's actually quite incredible. So, um, yeah, I mean, look at the end of the day, I think like you just said, you're one person and trying to run things like that by yourself doesn't necessarily work out so great. Um, but it is amazing that you, you decided to actually get people to come and join you in that. And, 
look what you managed to do after yeah. that too. Yeah. You yeah. know, amazing thanks. How, how things like that just snowball. Yeah, things are going well. Yeah, yeah we're we're doing well. So um, I'm proud of kind of where we're on, but try to continue to take us, you know, higher as well. So exactly. Yeah, of course. So okay, in one of your vlogs, you talked about applying business goal settings to personal resolutions we may have. Um, can you give us a little bit of an overview of what of, of that and how you applied this to your own life and goals? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, as an entrepreneur, when you start out, I mean, your personal goals and business goals, I mean, tend to um, kind of merge a little bit, right? Like, um, um, for me, the business is um, an extension of me it's very personal because i started it right like so um making sure that we set those goals of what we're trying to achieve how we're presenting ourselves i mean it's all kind of um well i mean it's branding it's kind of you know developing brand attributes not only for yourself but for your business but and that was a struggle for me too is is that business is an extension of me right like it is a reflection directly on me so it is very personal for me so those then kind of things go hand in hand. And, and um, like I said in the last uh, you know question about developing a piece of artwork that's just not up to a, a, a standard of mine, well, that personally reflects me, right? So I think it's super important for me to make sure that those kinds of things, they, those things align. And, and it's small things that, that how you present yourself, um, you know, how you, you speak and how you shake a hand, uh, it's all reflection of the business because for me, that business is me and it's a uh, um i'm trying to get beyond that i'm you know trying to get to where we're you know expansion of our team and but i'm still teaching that to the team that this business is an extension of of you your personal brand and if your business goals your how you present yourself in a business environment and and, and aligned with how you present yourself personally that's going to be benefit to you personally in the long run as well right like um of course. you know this is yeah. a good example of getting some of our, getting some of our other team members to talk about, you know, PPC or design or social and get them on these podcasts. Yes, you're representing insight, but that's great for you as a personal brand that you're a thought leader, that you're out there, that you're getting awareness. I mean, uh, you know, if and when you, you know, you know, leave insight and go work somewhere else. Well, hey, you've got this this whole, um, you know library of stuff that that shows that you're uh you know a problem solver you know you know what i mean it shows you're you're getting out there and doing these things and i think that's really really important exactly i really like that notes actually um i think it is so important for us in our careers definitely to sort of put ourselves out there and definitely you know especially with the way that social media is going now you know these days people consume video content like no one's business um, I think it's so important for us to actually share what it is that we know and really talk about how we perceive our industries being and stuff. I think that's amazing as a, you know, as a founder of the company that you're actually telling your, your uh, employees that it's amazing. It shows that you actually really do care about their growth. Yeah, we I mean, I, we always we always want to build a culture insight that, you know, everybody is growing. And, you know, yeah. I'm not. Um, naive enough to know that you know every person on our team is going to stay with us for the next 20 years right like i i get it like they're gonna want to move somewhere else they're gonna want to try something different they're gonna you know whatever it is they want to you know do whatever right go on a sabbatical to portugal for example right like you know 
you know, I mean, whatever. So I understand that, but I'm, you know, you still want to want them to do better, right? And and, and help them do better. And, and if you're treating people like that, uh, and you're being authentic, and you're being, you really want to, them to to grow and, and thrive. Um, I think that's a, a great environment to to have, and I think that's just good for all of us. Exactly. Yeah, I really love that. So, okay, I'd like to get more towards like insights and brand strategy. So first of all, before I get started on all of that, congratulations on receiving that prestigious 14 year award. 14 year, is it 14? 14, 14, 14er, 14 14er 14 award. award, excuse me. So congratulations for winning uh, the 14er award, seriously. Uh, I think you got that for the collaboration or for your collaboration with Rocky Mountain wireline service correct yep that's right yep yeah that, that was our 2023 um or excuse me it was for 20 it was for last year so we won it this year for for work that we did in 2022 that's kind of how that 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 works but yes thank you we're very proud of the work that we did for them um and i think it was super beneficial for them but it was part of a, a, a broad branch strategy project that we did for them Mm -hmm. So could you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what the specific project or initiative was that led to that recognition that you received? Yeah, so it was um, Rocky Mountain Wireline reached out to us uh, and, and explained that they were kind of having some pretty significant problems uh, with uh, their marketing. So I mean, this happens quite often. Somebody says, well, you know, um, our lead gen is not working, our marketing person quit. You know whatever whatever the reason reason is but uh, after several conversations with them you know we kind of identified that it wasn't necessarily the tactical execution of the marketing um uh, they were in a pretty blue collar industry i mean it's in it's in oil and gas um okay. so um there is a lot of uh you know personal relationships uh in in the sales process there's a lot of uh entertainment you know people playing golf and going to lunches and all that kind of different thing but after some conversations, we kind of identified they, they had a big issue with number one with messaging. They just didn't know what that message was to that their client. But then, um, you know, after those other conversations, we, we knew that we needed to build out a full branch strategy and we needed to find those brand attributes. We needed to look at the what their competitors are doing, what their competitor messaging is, who their who their audience is, creating those people calling avatars or ideal customer profiles but those are super key and that's kind of part of the part of the whole brand strategy process but it's very common that uh, um, somebody calls us and says hey i have this problem and then we start to discuss and say well that's not we don't think that that's necessarily a problem i think there's an issue here and we need to address this before we can do this and i think we say with our with our brand strategy, we always talk about, you know, we can jump into tactical all we want. We can make a Facebook page and start sending emails out and putting ads on, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn and all that kind of thing. But if we don't have the strategy, we, we're, we're wasting money. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so we either do this kind of stuff in the beginning and really dial in what we want uh, and who we want to reach and how we, what we want to communicate to them. That's super key there. And, I think the other key uh, for Rocky Mountain Wireline was getting the leadership team all on one page. And mm -hmm. um, that's kind of part of the process is, you know, we're in a visioning session, we're in a room and I know I don't like, I mean, sitting in a conference room for a whole day, you know, 
you know, chatting and stuff is, I understand that people want to be out and about and doing things, but, but I think it's key to make sure that everybody's number one, everybody's vision is communicated um, and everybody's heard uh, from the leadership team. But uh, the key that comes out of that is everybody agrees on the direction, agrees on the strategy moving forward, because that's going to trickle down to the rest of the company. So if there's one person on a leadership team who doesn't believe what the CEO is doing and the CEO is only just directing, just unilaterally directing everything, um, you know, it comes out in conversations with staff, with vendors, with employees, with uh, customers. It's all those little things that they say or bad mouthing this or that that is going to erode trust and credibility in the brand going to erode trust and credibility in the business and if you don't have trust and credibility i mean nobody's going to buy it buy from you you know so exactly. that was uh that's kind of how we started with with uh rocky mountain wireline so uh, and that's something that we do pretty pretty frequently for clients so very cool so okay just on that note as well so it sounds like maybe those conversations might have been a bit challenging mm. uh those boardroom conversations that you as you were saying so um how did you go about navigating that communication like from your agency with them trying to like how did you get everybody on the same page you know, we have a series of exercises that and, and kind of Q&A sessions that's part of that visioning session that we really just kind of walk through. Um, and before we start the visioning session, I mean, we make it very clear that, you know, um, we want them to be candid. I mean, if you're not candid in, in the conversation, we can't address. It's just talking about evaluation we were talking about earlier. I want people to tell us, you know, anything that's on their mind and they can use curse words they can communicate it however they want to communicate it but just get that out and so sure. really that part of it it's pretty organic that um that we but we, we're having to kind of navigate and kind of direct the group to trying to get the information that we want and trying to get to uncover kind of their you know their thoughts their feelings their emotions and you know their experience so um um we do let it uh, organically kind of evolve in the session, but we need to bring back, bring them back to kind of subject when we kind of go off on a tangent. Right. So, sure. um, but I think that, uh, you know, there are some hard conversations in that room and there have been people that have gotten pretty heated uh, and, and definitely uh, loud <laughs> with, with each other, but, um, that, you know, it, not necessarily Rocky mountain wireline, but with, you know, other clients have done that. And, Obviously, it was still professional, but at the same time, it was getting out all of that, um, uh, getting out that information from each individual. We just need to kind of corral them a little bit, kind of guide them a little bit through the process. So, um, I this, the sessions are very um, beneficial. There's a lot of things that kind of come out that they wouldn't normally come out, or somebody's afraid to tell the CEO for whatever reason, but. If we're in the room, we're kind of trying to facilitate that a little bit. It's kind of a safe space, if you will, kind of thing. But sure. we, we communicate to make sure that, you know, we, we want that camp. So, okay. And Slide's focus is on small businesses aiming to build their brand. What do you think are some of the up and coming businesses, most frequent mistakes that they're working, mm -hmm. uh, like when working towards success? Like, is there anything that you've noticed that people need to maybe keep an eye out for? You know, I th the biggest mistake um, I think we've seen with small to medium sized businesses is, is they are um, they are jumping into tactical fast. Uh, and I understand vast majority of the time they are pressured by 
their boss, the CEO, the, whoever that is, is like, hey, we need to get this done. And if there's no strategy behind it, like we talked about earlier, you know, you're going to kind of miss the mark. And I think another big one that they've, um, I've seen mistakes is, you know, handing off um, different kind of tasks, um, you know, based on their current resources. And I can totally understand that. Like I, like we only have, you know, five employees and we need to make a flyer for our trade show. Well, Jennifer over here took a Photoshop clap class once let's have Jennifer make a flyer for us for our trade show. And it's, and it, and it comes back to like the thing that I learned is, you know, if I'm marginally involved in some of that, I'm, I'm not going to produce something that's really impactful. In fact, you're going to probably produce something that um, uh, is detrimental to you, right? Doesn't represent you in that right light. So I've seen, I, I can, I can completely understand with budgets, with finances, with resources, the small businesses are trying to do more with less, um, but how you, uh, you know, how you put priority on how you present your business and how you present yourself is a, is a huge mistake just based on that and uh, just based on kind of what the resources they have. So that's, um, you know, I could go on and on about, you know, things that I, you know, would do differently in, in small businesses. Um, but, uh, you know, I think those are kind of the two big ones is not really identifying, uh, you know, and doing some research before you jump into tactical and, and then putting, you know, some kind of task on one of your team members that just, they just don't have the, the skills. They just don't have the experience to do that. And you're probably hurting yourself more than you're helping yourself. That's an excellent point. Really. I think that's an excellent point. I think a lot of people end up doing that. Um, and yeah, like you said, it can be detrimental, but in saying that though, what is then the ideal way to kind of go through that then? Like what is the ideal way to solve that issue then? If you're not able to really get the resources to say, for instance, have a nice flyer designed, as you mentioned, um, you know, as opposed to getting someone that just did a, you know, getting Jennifer to do the, the flyer because she did a Photoshop class once. Yeah. What is the alternative to that? Well, I mean, outside of obviously like bringing on somebody who's, you know, obviously an, an expert in that field, right. Or an agency, you know, sure. I mean, there's a ton of resources out there that, I mean, just taking this example, I mean, I would much rather somebody go to some of the online resources and grab some sort of template or something and then recreate that template, which I guarantee sure. is going to be off brand, <laughs> yeah. but you know, um, so there's other issues there, but yeah. you know, uh, you know, I mean, I, I would either find, you know, uh, some kind of freelance person that's specific to, to that area to help them create something that it's at least professional, you know, following graphic design standards, you know, making sure that, you know, uh, we just had a client that we did a print ad for just finished it up yesterday. And I could see, you know, in the past, they'd done it themselves. Well, they didn't know what a bleed is, right? And, they, and so now there, there's an issue with, there's too much stuff outside of the active area, which, you know, all of these kind of graphic design centers, they just don't know. But if you were just to at least get, you know, a graphic designer, freelancer, you know, somebody that has some experience, you could still probably afford that, right? Like that's pretty, yeah. probably pretty affordable. Sure. Um, um, but, you know, at the very least, uh, you know, I would, uh, you know, do some research. I mean, Google has everything and anything and everything out there you can do research on, do some, do some research. And that would be like my, one of my biggest things is 
you know, jump out there and find some more information or, or talk to a colleague, you know, talk to, talk to somebody that's in the space. I'm sure somebody has somebody in your LinkedIn network would go have coffee with you. Right. And kind of give you some, some, we, I, we do that all the time. Nice. <laughs> that's cool. I like that. I haven't myself done that yet. Actually, gone to coffee <laughs> with one of my LinkedIn connections yet, but hopefully that will happen at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. Your agency is also known for its strategic approach from a branding lens. How would you describe Insight's brand strategy? Uh, it's, that's a really good question. You know, um, we have an, an, an internal strategy for, you know, especially for new business development, but, um, you know, our brand strategy, um, is, well, part of our brand attributes is to be, um, authentic, real, uh, and, and we talked about the word candid a lot, but we are very candid. Um, and so that we want to make sure that our communication with our clients is also candid. So, you know, our brand strategy, uh, is very focused on, uh, building relationships is very focused on being super authentic and, um, uh, real, uh, um, and making sure that, uh, you know, uh, communication is open and transparent. I think we use that word a lot, uh, people use it, but I think it's key to make sure that, um, we're transparent, but I think one of the things, uh, that is a kind of paramount for our brand strategy is, um, part of that transparency is, you know, when we mess up, I'll tell you, we messed up, we dropped it and it, you know, and it, and it happens, we do everything in our power, not for it to happen. Um, but you know, that, that social media post didn't go up, you know, on that day that you needed to go, you know, we dropped the ball. I apologize. Uh, we put in some, you know, processes in place so it doesn't ha happen again. Um, but I think that's a, that's one of our key things there is, is, is I think that builds a better relationship with our clients that, cause everybody messes up, right. But it's how we react to how we mess up or how we, you know, miss something, which is, is the more important thing in our eyes. And um it's it's a very uh positive reaction from our clients with that with that candor and with that um openness because it you know whenever you kind of do drop the ball on something i guess the uh the natural reaction is like oh we didn't do that it was because of x y and z let's try to make an excuse right but um you're never gonna you're never gonna do that but our brand strategy is to making sure that there's that authenticity and that openness and transparency Exactly. And I mean, on the other hand, who does not respect someone who takes accountability and learns from their mistakes? Yep. Seriously. hundred percent. Exactly, it's yeah, with, exactly. it's with, with, it, with any business. If you were, mm -hmm. you know, building a home and you didn't miss something, you know, I get it. Like there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of moving parts, but it's how you react to that when they say, Hey, this is wrong. If you can, if you can say, Hey, you know what, I'll come over and fix it right away. No problem. Or, you know, I won't charge you for that. Whatever that is. I'm sorry. Goes, mm -hmm. uh, goes a long way. A hundred percent. Exactly. I think that can also, again, be applied to so many different things in life too. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So how can brands work to differentiate their voice across all marketing touch points? Like, especially considering today's oversaturation, oversaturation of, uh, branded messaging, would you say? I think the key is, is, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of brands compete on the same type of messaging or the kind of the same positioning, right? So, um, a good example for us that comes out in brand strategy is the research that we do, uh, 
on competitors, whether that's direct competitors or indirect competitors. What are they saying? What are they, what's their main message, their primary message, secondary message, tertiary? A good example of that is we're working with a client that's in the kind of landscaping business. Um, they have a pretty big competitive environment. Um, and, you know, how are you differentiating yourself from all of those other kind of landscaping groups, right? And they're competing on price, they're competing on timeliness, they're competing on, oh, all of our people are background checked or, you know, what, whatever that is. But I think the key there is to differentiate your messaging is you don't have to necessarily differentiate yourself from every other business. You just have to differentiate yourself from those who are competing with you in the space. And even more granularly, you could differentiate yourself from those people in just that geographic area, right? So that, that, that competitor research is key. If you think about it like that. Say that again. I think it makes it a lot easier to stand out when you think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the landscaping group is, is a good example um, because, you know, you don't have to compete with every other landscaper across the country. Somebody in Sandusky, Ohio could be competing on the same messaging that you have. Yeah, but you're not competing with them, right? Like they're, they're geographically, they're, you, may, you may have some similar messaging. But if sure. the people that you're here in your geographic area that you're serving, the area you're servicing, that's the key. But I think that that is, um, I think that's key is competitor research identification and then also, you know, what are those, those indirect competitors saying as well? So if you're going to the movies, well, there's a lot of other different entertainment options. So what is the competition to go into the movies? Well, Netflix, you can watch at home. Oh, you can go to the opera. You can go to the play. You can go to the local comedy club, whatever that is, right? Like, so, um, you know, I, identifying those indirect competitors as well. So if in the landscaping business, well, if you're putting in grass for, for as a landscaper, well, what's your indirect competitors, the uh, zero scaping maybe, or, you know, wh whatever that kind of stuff is, but we're working with them to try to identify what that messaging is in their competitive environment. And then mm -hmm. we're differentiating them from those people. I love that. I've never thought about it like that, actually. That's, that's super interesting. I like that. So that, that it sounds to me already like a, a way to start and, and, be successful right from the get honestly yeah so, like you, you don't want to compete on i mean you don't want to compete on um you know you can, you can compete on a bunch of different things right like price is the big one well right. i can i can do it cheaper than the, to the next guy well do but do you really want to get into that like price you know anybody who's you know choosing you is just choosing you based on how cheap you are well then you're going to have to cut costs and there's a whole other thing with that right so Let's find another place to kind of compete. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. So in saying that, you, I know you guys also often mention uh, the importance of the three C's. So being consistent, uh, congruent, and cohesive, right? So right. what makes this a key component of brand messaging, brand messaging, would you say? Well, you know, all three of those are key, right? C consistency, right. congruency, uh, cohesiveness, right? So we want to make sure that not only in brand messaging that everybody is speaking with one voice saying the same things not not rattling off you know uh visioning statements like robots like you know we don't want to do that we want it to be organic but that you know the, the, each person in an organization and it stops it starts from the leadership down right like when they're at uh, even if you're at a cocktail party or a barbecue or or whatever and somebody asks what you do 
you don't want them to kind of rattle off some kind of visioning statement, but you want them to say, well, you know, here's what, here's what we do. And the, these are the things that we, that we do, and this is how we compete. And this is kind of differentiated, but in an organic way. So from a messaging standpoint, obviously the, the, the things that are very client facing websites and marketing material and all that kind of has, has, we can, we can regulate that. Like we can develop that for them, make sure that messaging is follows the three C's, but how do we kind of do that top down within the organization with, with employees, staff, vendors, you know, everybody else, uh, to get them to kind of, you know, speaking in that same language without, you know, again, being a robot. But, um, I think it's key that the other three C's are key to in creative as well, right? Making sure that all of your marketing touch points, uh, website, obviously being, you know, the, the largest of those, but everything that looks and feels the same, that if somebody saw your website, saw uh, your trade show booth, saw a, a PPC ad, saw a social ad, whatever, saw your email, all of those elements and graphical elements all kind of go together and they're consistent. So, you know, sure. yeah, yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. It, it does that trust and credibility. Uh, it does kind of more subliminal, you know, subconscious kind of things of, of brand awareness. Um, so uh, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than, a, you know, well, it's probably good when a client brings to us and saying, here's the things we've done in the past and they're not consistent. Well, cause we think, Hey, well, this is something we can help you improve upon because you need to be consistent, but it's you sometimes cringe on some of that stuff. It's like, well, this was done four years ago and then we just redid the website. Well, if I was comparing those two things side by side, they don't look anything like <laughs> anything like, like yeah, exactly. So if somebody saw those in, you're not, you're missing in that opportunity that somebody's going to connect those two things. And the, I think the, the struggle there is it, some of that's kind of intangible, you know, for clients that, you know, that it's, uh, but it's super crucial. So do you think in that sense, like when someone is, for instance, like redoing some of their branding, trying to keep it up with the trends, I suppose, in that mm -hmm. sense, I mean, of course, that must be quite detrimental if you look at that side of the coin when it comes to doing something like that, right? Yeah, I mean, the the any kind of trends or kind of creative trends, you know, um, you know, from a from a graphic or design standpoint, you know, the one thing is that uh, uh, we want to create stuff, and typically we want to create stuff that are kind of timeless, right? Um, that that have a longevity for clients because. You know, our clients aren't uh, Fortune 500 companies. They don't have, you know, multi-million dollar budgets. You know, we want to take into consideration that we want this brand and this creative to last. And it's not to say that you, 10 years from now, you don't need to refresh something because it happens. But um, we don't want to continue to change those kinds of things out. It's, it's strictly kind of a budgetary concern. Um, I think trends do really well in creative um, um, if you, if you have that, you know, those resources and if you have those resources, I think you can do that, but that's just a constant revision and change. And I think you can really reach a lot of people, but, uh, and really kind of, uh, make yourself stand out from the competition, but that's, that's a lot of work. And if you have those resources, I think that's a good thing, but, you know, typically our small to medium sized business clients, you know, they need something that, that will last for them, but it still follows those three C's that still follows it. Something that's dynamic and interesting and eye catching and all those different things. So, so I think trends work. It's just, you know, how do you manage that and how do you fund that? You know, um, if you're, you have limited resources and limited kind of financials. 
exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, look, on the subject of trends right now, um, what are some of the biggest changes you've noticed in branding trends, uh, especially from like Insights launch in 2008 until today? I know yeah. that's a really big question, but are there any of these that you've seen that you think are a must follow for today, like right now? Well, I, you know, from a, from a branding standpoint, you know, some of the, the, the branding attributes of branding strategy, uh, you know, are kind of really time tested. Right. Um, but you know, you know, so I, I would still think those apply today than what they applied then. Um, but you know, from a creative standpoint, you know, um, I think that, uh, the advent or, or the evolution of some of these other different marketing channels that are starting to break some of those you know, brand guidelines. So, you know, a logo, for example, was, you know, at some point you had an icon and the name and the tagline and you, you know, following some of the standards where you never, you never broke those up, right? They, they looked exactly like that every single time. Well, what happens when social comes along and you have to have an icon for your business page? And if you put that in there and you look at it on your phone, well, it's unreadable, unrecognizable. So those kinds of things have evolved, you know, kind of that we're breaking those standards um, just because of, you know, the different different uh, channels and different tactics that have come along. So, um, you know, uh, I think that you just kind of have to roll with some of those new um tactics and channels you just kind of have to you know we talked about earlier is, is continuing to stay educated continuing to learn what are, what are what are those best practices you know from people in the industry and people in your industry um i think that's that's key to kind of learning how you can start to evolve some of these things but you know from a branding standpoint a lot of that is so timeless is and it's all, a lot of it's you know pretty focused of who you're trying to meet reach you know what message uh, a pain point is for them what problem are you solving? You know, where do they, where do they uh, hang out? Um, is it in person? You know, all of that kind of is timeless, but I think some of the creative stuff has evolved uh, just kind of out of necessity and out of, you know, the different channels that have come up. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So that, that makes a lot of sense actually. So, okay. And then again, on the topic of branding trends, I'm just, you know, I don't know if you've seen, like you must've seen on the news recently, but it seems like there's like a revived buzz around AR and VR tech, mm. um, especially with Apple that's like dropping their new AR VR uh, Vision Pro headset yeah. in the US next year. So how do you see AR and VR technology impacting branding once that really starts to take off? Yeah, you know, I think that there's a, a big opportunity there. And I think that, um, you know, obviously tech is driving a lot of different, uh, you know, a lot of different industries and it, and is being uh, obviously into our daily lives, you know, and more and more. So I think that, you know, I, I think it impacts branding is we need to we need to address some of those channels. We need to address some of those applications and opportunities. And I think the 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 branding foundation is still there but like i said with like social is like how, how are we evolving our brand to to fit into the kind of this new tech and you know how how are we um developing it to where it's it, we're, at some point we're going to create some new brand standards right like um, social can be a good example that now there's new um standard operating procedure there's kind of new best practices in in this space so i think VR and AR uh, is kind of the, you know, the wild west. I think that's where it's going. Um, and I think it, it's a really cool opportunity. But if we stick with our kind of same, same core uh, messaging, you know, we can evolve the creative in, in those spaces. 
uh, and we just got to create kind of evolve the creative, you know, based on those um, um, specs, I guess, um, you know, within within each channel, within within each new tech that comes out. So there needs to be a conversation around that. But I think the core brand strategy, brand attributes and, and what you're what you're doing um, um, need that that core will will stay the same. But we just need to kind of address some of the new things that come up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, are there any other tech trends that you think people should be looking out for when it comes to developing a brand strategy, for instance? You know what? Um, there's some there's some tech stuff. I mean, we all hear about it. Uh, uh, chat GPT and, yeah. you know, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Like uh, and then you've seen some things probably on uh, Instagram of things that go wrong when somebody creates a has it create a, a, a video, you know, ad for them, you know, that kind of stuff, the kind of the funny things. But I think we, yeah. we, we do need to keep an eye on that. And, you know, we've been keeping an eye on it as well. We've been experimenting in kind of in that space um, with, you know, some things work really well, you know, and some things uh, don't and still need somebody to do that. But it's it's like the uh, how uh, advertising uh, agencies have evolved from from like the 50s, from the technologies come in with computers and Adobe software. I mean, it was all done on paper and you know you know you had loads of artists i a lot of people are kind of scared in that space or kind of worried and i get it right but i think that we we're we're, we're approaching it is is how can we implement it to help us which actually helps our customer because there's going to be you're going to need somebody to manage it you're going to need somebody to to have an in-depth knowledge of it so there's just kind of that pivot and i think that happens all the time right and i think but I think the uh, artificial intelligence is, you know, big in the news and, and, and really a hot topic at this point. Um, but I think we just embrace it. But I, I just I'm worried that it's going to get to, you know, Terminator, you know, Skynet kind of level. I think, I think everybody's had that uh, kind of, uh, thought about it, actually. Yeah. That's what worries about me. If it can if it can write an article, I'm OK that it's kind of writing an article. Right. Like but when it gets to, you know now it's now i'm worried about robots taking over so i think that's a worry that everybody's felt <laughs> uh, yeah it's kind of taken over yeah. um but you know at the end of the day i've, I've had a few conversations about uh, ai especially in various industries you know advertising uh, app development uh, even branding you know um and i think the overall like consensus on it in i think all of these various sort of industries um is that you know at the end of the day we need to put safeguards in place it's just like when the internet you know came out in the late 90s when everybody was starting to use that um you know it can be used for good or bad and i just think it goes about you know regulating it properly at the end of the day um but yeah i think it's it's a good tool to use especially if you want to drive productivity in my opinion yeah, and I and I think it, just like anything else, it, it the, these kinds of things evolve, and you know, keep and, and all of a sudden it's going to spawn off a, a different industry. It's going to you know have something else that goes differently, or people um, have different ideas to develop different technologies that are you know spawn span uh, spawn other industries, right? So, but I get it where people are just we're we're all a little leery of change right and all a little worried about what's going to happen with my job or you know you know i get it like I, I totally get it but one of our clients is in the education space and they always talk about uh and some of their messaging that we've developed is trying to um get people to reskill or upskill like you yeah. know if you know and that that applies not only to 
a trade or you know uh in, in the medical industry or whatever but all of us need to continue to upskill and pivot and learn new things i mean it, it all comes that way because then it could take us to something really cool and really exactly. fun and and elevate us so uh, i'm i'm cool with it i couldn't agree more i really couldn't so um i don't know if you know this but design rush hosts like a complete directory of uh, creative agencies around the globe We've kind of touched on this a little bit before, but you know, what do you think are some of the major benefits of any type of agency outsourcing for branding and marketing, such as your agency? Uh, what outsourcing to us, kind of thing? Well, yeah, like yeah, exactly. So the the benefits of getting your agency to come in and help them out. Well, I branding. think that you're number one you're getting uh, uh, and i think this is huge you're getting a fresh perspective uh that's outside the group and i think that any kind of there's going to be a lot of internal uh opinions and and uh expertise and experience and all those things are really good but to have somebody coming and kind of with fresh eyes that is approaching it from how we approach it and like, so if we were to do a, a brand strategy for an education or a SaaS company, for example. Yeah, we've learned from from that in the past uh, brand strategy we've done for somebody else, but we're still going to approach it from a, that fresh perspective like we've never done it before. We're still going to do the research. We're still going to get the background. We're still going to talk to individuals because that could change. Some it could be the same, some, some it could change. But I think hiring an outside agency, a big one is um, is having that fresh perspective. And I think that our process, I'm really happy with how our process has evolved over the years, but it's, um, it's very, um, linear. It's very straightforward. Um, and it's, and it's designed to draw out, you know, all of those little things that you wouldn't necessarily do or could say within the, within the group, uh, internally. So I think that's a huge benefit is, um, is, is, drawing out those kind of uh, ideas, but uh, also approaching it from, um, we approach it like we've never done it before or for that industry anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So um, what can creative agencies like Inside do to keep up with any of the constantly evolving marketing industry trends or anything that's always, you know, it's, I mean, it is always changing. So what do you guys say, for instance, do to keep up with that? Well, I mean, things like this, like you, you're, we're kind of finding podcasts and, and finding all of the content out there. Um, you know, we have each one of our team members typically stays on top of uh, their trends in, in their particular industry. So, I mean, a good, a good thing I like this is there's so much content out there of people experimenting with new techniques and new strategies. And, you know, and obviously there's so much out there that some of that you have to take with a grain of salt uh, uh, kind of thing. But, you know, staying kind of dialed into, um, you know, marketing associations, we still stay dialed in there. Um, but, you know, listening to podcasts in each of these individual um, you know, skill sets, I guess. Um, but, you know, the other thing that we do uh, as well uh, is I know that uh, our, you know, for example, we're in social. So and this is available to everybody, but, you know. Our digital strategist, I mean, she's always talking to Meta and discussing with them what they're sharing, what those trends are. Um, you know, LinkedIn does kind of the same thing. So staying in trends of, you know, design and email and graphic design. So you kind of keep up with uh, some of the graphic design associations as well. And they, they're starting to develop out great content or have 
great content about kind of where that's going. So I think that's it's a keeping your ear to the ground, you know, continuing to educate yourself, being involved in, you know, trade organizations and consuming some of all that content is out there. There's a very specific um, strategy in place on our side to making sure that we're keeping up with that. Cool. That's very, yeah. very cool. I like that. So um, finally, Adam, what piece of advice would you or do you wish you could have given yourself when you were at the very starts of this journey with insight? Um, that's a really good question. And I think that one thing that I, I, advice that I would give myself is um, uh, two words. I would think be fearless. Um, I think that it is um, starting out as an entrepreneur. It is super scary. It is um, you don't know where your money's coming from. I mean, that's one of the biggest things, right? Like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how am I going to make money. Um, but I, in the beginning, I started developing out and I did, I made decisions based on some of that fear and being fearful. But uh, I, I would, I guess maybe I would modify that. Be strategically fearless. Don't be fearless, like recklessly. So yeah. be strategically fearless and take those chances and, and get out there and do it. I mean, you're taking a chance that you're, you're starting a business anyway, but, yeah. but if you're going to do it, do it and just, just don't be fearless, but you know, make those kind of strategic decisions rather than just kind of you're all over the place kind of thing. But I yeah. would tell myself that, but that's one of the things that we've really kind of concentrated on and kind of our mantra within the group is we are going to be fearless. We are going to take those chances. Um, we are going to, you know, go after that idea. Um, and we're going to evaluate that and see if it worked and, and learn. Um, but you know, we used to not take some of those chances just because we're, we're scared and, um, you know, we're not doing that no more. Yeah, exactly. You got to know when to risk it, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. Really. This has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so happy you reached out to us. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm glad you guys responded to my my reach out. So I'm I'm happy to do it, and any I would love to be back anytime uh, you want want to have me. Well, a hundred percent. We would love to have you again. I'm sure. Uh, I'm I, I'm sure this is not the last time our our pots are going to. And that's a wrap for today's episode. If you're looking for a creative agency for your project, we've got you covered. Visit designrush.com/marketplace. Our marketplace offers a curated selection of agencies that can provide the solutions you need to turn your dream project into a reality. Again, I'm your host, Bianca Mayer. Stay curious and see you in the next episode.